views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Man, I'm looking at the headline news and finance, and it's all crazy. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. Gold is moving a little higher. Why? Because we might bomb North Korea. <laughs> it's like that's the thought. Um, I want to buy gold. Me personally, in a stronger dollar world, higher interest rates, I want to buy gold. <clears throat> now, do you gold. think we bomb? That's gold, Jerry. Gold. That's now, do you think we're moving? Gold. gold. That's gold, Jerry. Gold. Um, you know who likes gold? Mr. T. Mr. T loves gold. What are you talking about, fool? Well, I'm talking about you, Mr. T, and you being on Dance with the Stars didn't exactly go terribly well, did it? No way, fool. No that's way. Right. It, that's right. It went bad. It did go bad, right? Up, but no one really... No one really had high expectations, even though you were dancing for children with cancer. That was very nice of you. No more, Mr. Nice Guy. Oh, you want to take off the gloves and fight with me, do you? Come on, you can do better than that. You want to take off the gloves and slap each other, maybe, like with uh, gloves? Are you crazy? I am crazy. Thanks very much, Mr. T. Have a good day. That's Um, right, Jack. That's right. That's right, Jack. So... I'm changing the topics. Gold's moving higher. Everything else is moving lower. Uh, let's bomb North Korea. That's kind of what's going on on Wall Street today. It doesn't make any sense. Um, Syrian ten- Syria tensions rise. So people are playing it safe. We've had a big rally this year, locking some gains. Now, that doesn't mean that tomorrow things don't move higher, because that's kind of the way things have worked. Every time people are locking in gains, the market seems to figure out a way to move a little bit higher. Uh, North Korea is warned of a nuclear attack on the United States if provoked by a U.S. Navy strike group that's moved to the Western Pacific. Um, that's only going to piss us off. So I'm sorry. I'm pulling the Ronald Reagan playbook here of we are cowboys. You don't threaten nuclear strikes against us, because we will shut you down. Um, and I think that's the Trump playbook, right? Bank of America, Wells Fargo are the top drags in the S&P 500, while Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan have weighed the most on the Dow. Disney, um, it's a world of laughter, a world of fear. <laughs> it's a small world. After all, it's never one single lot of me. After all, 
So Disney was at its uh, Goldman's conviction buy list. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was Rob Black singing It's a Small World. Um, a Rob Black original. So that actually was a song that I recorded in 1947, like many years before I was actually born. But it is an original. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So Disney has filed... A, listen to this. Let's talk about Disney for a couple of minutes here. Disney, and I own shares of Disney, and I want you to own shares of Disney. I want you to accumulate in your lifetime, especially when it's down 20 or 30 points from its all-time high. So Disney has filed a patent that looks like Westworld. Remember the, the sexy, the sexy naked robots on Westworld on HBO this year? I call it the sexy naked robot Western. Um, Disney has filed a patent to get basically humanoid robots that are soft and sturdy enough to interact with people, particularly children. Um, in it, it's called a playful physical interaction, possible uh, posable joints and pressure sensors that you know sense contact and provide protection to the child and robot while interacting. So Disney's going all HBO Westworld on us, right? Kind of. Now, Robot Parade by They Might Be Giants might be the most appropriate song to end the segment with. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, poke, poke. Get what I mean? Go what I mean? Flash of lightning, flash of lightning. Slap, 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 slap. Um, they might be giants, robot parade. So Disney, because it's a movie studio, it's going to report back-to-back record earnings in the next two years. Back-to-back, as Chris Berman would say. Back, 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 back. He hits. Whoa, he's clobbered it. Back, 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 back. Um, I don't miss him in any way, shape, or form. But Beauty and the Beast starts off a promising year for Disney. Now we're going to get four Marvel films. We're going to get star- two Star Wars films. We're going to get three animated films. There's no shortage of, of, of movies. So this year, they've done Doctor Strange, Mona, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, Beauty and the Beast, they also have Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2, which the first one I enjoyed thoroughly. And I don't typically enjoy movies, I enjoyed it so much that I actually peed my pants. I didn't want to get up and go to the, the bathroom. I just sat there and enjoyed the warm fluid and said, wow, that was a great film. Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. You get Cars 3. Okay, so listen to this. Doctor Strange, which I'll see on HBO at some point in time. Mona, Rogue One, Star Wars Story. Beauty and the Beast, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Dead Men Tell No Tales, which Johnny Depp, he sounds like he's got like nine marbles in his mouth. Like, I'll get you. Um, Cars 3, which is like the sequel to Cars 2, which was the sequel to Cars, of which they still friggin' friggin' sell the merchandise from Cars. Um, that's how great Disney is. <clears throat> then you get Thor Ragnarok. You get Coco. Coco Loco. Coco, um, I think that's kind of a Mexican Day of the Dead kind of thing going on. Um, which I think that... Ay, 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 ay! Um, I love the Day of the Dead art, don't you? It's so, like, meaningful on a spiritual level. You get Star Wars Episode 8. Dun, 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 dun. Let's see if we can keep this up. Let's see if you can pull out a Black, Black Panther song, Mr. Producer Man. That's coming up soon for Disney. No, no Black Panther, huh? Okay, you got a Black Panther, good job. How about a Wreck-It Ralph sequel? And you can play any, like, um, Hubert sound effect. 
that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I know you don't have this one, A Wrinkle in Time, which was one of the books that I first read when I was a child. Oh. Avengers, Infin- Avengers Infinity War. And then you can do... Okay, that's that's good. You get uh, an untitled Han Solo Star Wars film, which is going to be called Star Wars, the Han Solo movie. I wish you could do the Star Wars song again. You could do the Incredible 2. <laughs> How about Ant-Man? Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, Kate Beckinsale. For a woman who's like 92 years old, she's got it going on. When you put on those leather pants, holy mackerel. And you get some sort of quote-unquote untitled Disney live action. Their film slate is so deep that they have a film coming out next year called The Untitled Disney Live Action. And it all comes back to Tale as Old as Time, the 2017 film. Um, Emma Watson, the popular Disney heroine Belle. So Goldman has added Disney to its conviction by list, saying, like, they've got all these friggin' fragging movies coming out. And you're going to see a lot of them. Robot parade. And Disney's filed a patent for robots at Disneyland and Disney World. I love you so much. Don't forget you can sign up for a seminar coming up at robblackshow.com. It's coming up in Palo Alto. Sign up at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Someday you'll grow up and then you'll forget all of the pain you endured. Until you walk by a sad pair of eyes and up will come back all the hurt. Little Regina Spector. Last name S-P-E-K-T-O-R. I'm a big fan. And the ability to play piano, to me, is magical. I grew up with limited skills on piano, but skills. I think it helps your brain a lot as a kid to have like multiple stimuluses. Not just soccer, not just piano, not just math, not just reading. I went to a Regina Spector show once, and I was with a girlfriend, and I think I might have been the only male there. She's a Russian-born American singer-songwriter and pianist. She was born in Moscow, Band classical training on the piano at age six. She emigrated to the United States, continued her classical training through her teenage years, and she started writing songs after that. 
talking about immigration, right? I think we're a better society for having immigration. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Some 7,200 gallons of concentrated Mountain Dew syrup created a huge foaming event and generated environmental concerns. That's not good. So Pepsi mops up an usual Mountain Dew spill, and it turns into environmental concerns. Should we be drinking soda? Should we be drinking Mountain Dew? Um, it's a pretty big spill. High sugar syrup has a toxic effect on aquatic life if it ends up in rivers, lakes, or streams. Okay, so let's stop there for one second. <clears throat> High sugar syrup can have toxic effects on aquatic life if it ends up in river. High sugar syrup can have toxic effects on aquatic life if it ends up in rivers. Why do we drink this stuff? That's a... Flipper, are you okay? Flipper, I see you're soaked in Mountain Dew. Are you okay? Flipper, go get the sheriff. I'll stay here right now and I'll help the, the seals. Flipper tastes lovely now. He's been turned into a tuna because of the spill of Mountain Dew. Schooner tuna. Always better with a little bit of dolphin in it. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Um, gas stations still rule. They rule the world. But Costco has retaken the top spot amongst grocery stores and big box retailers in an annual market survey tied towards your favorite places to get gas. Um, I've got a Costco card, and on Fridays when I'm done with work, I typically stop and fill up. Um, I don't stop and get groceries. I don't stop and get, like, you know, 95 pounds of toilet paper or anything like that. I stop and get gas. Costco has taken back the number one spot from Walmart, Sam's Clubs. Um, over 11,000 consumers took part in an annual survey that ranks gas stations in two categories, one being the traditional gas station convenience stores and two being grocery stores and big box retailers. 77% of consumers ranked price as the most important factor when it comes to picking a place to fill up. That was not the only issue that was concerned with them, though. Security, fuel quality, easy ways to pay, ease of entry-exit were all named as contributing factors. Again, I'll go to a gas station that is easy to get into and out of, right? Um, as far as easy ways to pay, I like putting my credit card in. Uh, fuel quality, in the state of California or whatever state you live in, you can go to Bobo's Gas. Bobo's Gas. And it's 10 to 20 cents cheaper than an Exxon or a Chevron. Your state has a mandate on what's allowed to come out of the ground and into your pump. Or what's allowed to come out of the pump and into your car. Or out of the ground and the pump and into your car. Um, there's a formulation. It doesn't matter where you buy your gas. I'm happy that people think that way. Um, because they're kind of getting it. So... Bobo's gas just as good as the tiger in the pump or the tiger in the tank. That's just marketing. Hello, tiger. I'm not trying to piss you off or anything, but you're you're basically marketing to me. You're not real. Okay, 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 okay. I back off. I back off. You're real. You win. 
but you're just marketing, so go away, tiger. So I hear a lot about Tom Brady and how good-looking he is. And I don't have a romance going on or anything like that with him. Um, and he's all about he's all about the purple carrots. I'm like purple carrots. So Tom Brady's a good-looking dude, and he plays for the New England Patriots. And I think he's, he says, "I want to play until I'm 57 years old." I'm like you're not going to pay to play till you're 57 years old. Don't be ridiculous. Um, so he's got a business model now tied towards his meals. He's a vegan. It's called TB12. $78 price tag covers three meals a week at two servings apiece. So enough to feed basically people for three nights, two people for three nights, or one person for six meals. $78 for two servings apiece, three meals a week. So six six meals, right? It's only a one for thing. Yeah. I couldn't eat another thing. I'm absolutely stuffed. Bugger horse. That's the first scene in Monty Python's Meaning of Life. And it's this huge dude. Huge. And he's eating food. And uh, the waiter keeps coming by, and he's just rude to the waiter. He's rude to the waiter. And, uh, you know, he wants more food, more food, more food. And he asks the waiter for a bucket. And the waiter's like, bucket? And he goes, and throws up in the bucket. Where's the story going? Um, Yes. He eats a wafer thin mint, and then he blows up. Um, and that's what I feel like when I look at Tom Brady's meals. Yeah, he's all about the peppers and the artichokes and the butter lettuce and the, the purple carrots. And like, give me some Domino's Pizza. Uh, Domino's Pizza, one of the publicly traded companies. If you ever want to get a company that your kid might be able to get along with and understand, uh, ticker symbol is DPZ, DPZ. Or you can go with Walt Disney. Disney got a nice upgrade today to Conviction Buy. Now, every now and then, you'll get these like statements from Wall Street that you're like, what the hell does that even mean? There's a buy? Sure. What's a Conviction Buy versus a buy, right? So, I talk about Disney all the time, and it was in the 90s I told you to buy it. And now it's heading to about 130. It's at 113 right now. Consultant Broker Advisor, the action on stocks mentioned. It's got a nice dividend. It has tent poles in movies. A little arcade fire taking us to break. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, more. Find me all on at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. The market awaits looking for answers. President Donald Trump, which is a weird thing to say out loud still, I see him as the apprentice. I see him as the guy who had that stupid university. I see him as the guy who tells people to buy real estate in the art of the deal. I won. But President Donald I won. Trump, he did win. Um, his agenda we wait for. But Wall Street marches on. 
And as Wall Street marches on, we're into the first season of earnings, which to me is like a Disney parade. Some people love going to Disneyland. I love earnings season. Let's bring on Patrick O'Hare to talk about what the heck is going on in the markets and what can we expect. How are you, Mr. O'Hare from briefing.com? Hey, Rob. I'm doing well. Thanks. Good to be back with you. So I missed you, and um, you weren't that guy dragged off the United Airlines flight, were you? Uh, fortunately, I was not. So I was uh, safely ensconced here in Chicago uh, all day yesterday. That guy's going to make some money, I bet. No, um, I would think so. <laughs> I would think so, too. And that's how I think about it. All the public yep. shame and humility, hum- humiliation, he's going to make some yep. money. Um, with that said, the markets, I almost feel like I should go away for like a couple weeks and take a nice vacation and let the markets figure out what it wants to do because... I don't know what it's trading off of. What is the market trading off of? Uh, Well, at the moment, I would argue that it's trading off uncertainty, uh, an elevated sense of uncertainty, right? Now, I mean, uncertainty is a constant in life. It's a constant for the market, you know. Uh, But right now, you're at a point where you have some things on the near horizon that have heightened that sense of uncertainty, uh, namely what's going on with the geopolitical scene uh, surrounding North Korea and Syria. Uh, you've got the uh, uncertainty about the um, impending earnings reporting period here. You have the uncertainty about the upcoming French presidential election. And, of course, you have the lingering uncertainty about what will ultimately transpire with any type of tax reform effort. Uh, and uh, the latest headlines on that front seem to suggest it will be a more elongated process than a lot of people had expected it to be. And I think that's starting to uh, to factor in here as uh, market participants stare at some stretch valuations that got to that point based on this notion that you were going to see some quick and easy uh, passage of uh, of the Trump administration's legislative agenda, and uh, the primary focus of which is the tax reform effort. Uh, and that doesn't look to be unfolding in that uh, rapid-fire fashion. And so you're getting, I think, participants taking some money off the table here, um, uh, knowing that it might be the prudent thing to do as the geopolitical risk factor picks up as well. So that geopolitical risk factor, in my opinion, has always been a buying opportunity in the last 20-plus years of doing financial media, whether it's first George Bush goes into Iraq or second George Bush goes to Iraq, the market kind of freaks out. Um Geopolitical risk to me has always been, and even terrorism on 9-11, it's been a buying opportunity in the stock market. I'm humbled to say that out loud. I'm almost embarrassed to say that out loud. Would you, I'm not going to ask you to agree, but would you kind of see buying opportunity if geopolitical risk continues to be the headline risk for us? Um, well, yeah, well, I, look at it this, I look at it this way, Rob. I mean, if you... Um, you know, what have we been talking about earlier in the year? The major indices all at record highs, right? Mm-hmm. And I think with that, uh, basically the the impression from that uh, understanding, it just shows the virtues of long-term investing, right? I mean, we've gotten to that point through a few world wars, a Great Depression, a Great Recession, uh, 9-11, as you mentioned, the collapse of the dot-com era. I mean, so... Uh, yeah, there are going to be periods where it's painful 
for a shorter time uh, based on whatever the surprise factor is. And a geopolitical factor can very much be a negative surprise with some really adverse uh, consequences for stock prices on a short-term basis. Uh, but those who have stayed true to the market uh, uh, and to their investing discipline um, have made out okay, you know, uh, over the longer term, and that's why we're talking about major indices that right now are pulling back from record highs, and they're not that far off their record highs. So uh, I think there's an understandable sense of anxiousness surrounding what's going on right now, particularly with respect to North Korea, given the um, the added implications of what can unfold there if there is some military action and, and then the involvement you get from China um, as well, which is something we haven't seen, um, obviously. And so, uh, you know, it's just it becomes a convenient excuse at the moment, I think, to take some money off the table. But everyone, I think, is cognizant that if you were to get a military incident uh, on the Korean Peninsula, uh, it would not be a good thing. And I think this market has been priced largely for perfection on, on a number of fronts, uh, and, uh, and a, a military engagement you know, with another superpower, I think, is not uh, in the mix here in terms of uh, valuations, and that would be wrung out if that actually um, came to pass. So, changing topics, because it seems like a little depressing to talk about striking North Korea and another strike on Syria and Russian relationships, Rex Tillerson's there. But geopolitics do have a play in the stock market. But let's come back to us. Uh, we're moving in earnings season, and it looks to me like energy stocks and um, financials should have a pretty good quarter. Is it going to be enough to move us further, or is it going to be case by case? Are we in a stock picker's market, or are we in a market that's going to pop? What's your thoughts? Right. We have one of my colleagues say this morning that uh, stocks are trading by appointment only these days, uh, which I thought was a clever expression to, to uh, imply that it, it really is a stock-picking market and that, you know, uh, as far as these, uh, um, you know, these sector trades that are taking place, you know, on the high correlations and things like that. And, you know, that sort of has fallen by the wayside at the moment. And you're seeing, you know, outsized moves in individual stock names based on whatever the news driver happens to be that particular day. You know, uh, the, the interesting thing about this upcoming reporting period is that uh, if, if analysts have uh, their consensus projections right, uh, the S&P 500 should deliver its strongest um, year-over-year uh, year increase in earnings since the fourth quarter of 2013, right? That's a good thing. Um, and uh, and I would add to that that estimates always come down ahead of the reporting period, and they tend to be two to three percentage points higher than what the estimate is um, by the time it's all said and done. So we're probably looking at <clears throat> double-digit earnings growth for the first quarter, uh, which would be a very welcome thing. And uh, what I argued most recently in my big picture column that I posted to uh, to briefing.com on Friday, though, is that I think this particular earnings reporting period will have more of a political spin to it uh, because I think the market is going to show either more or less tolerance for any types of earnings disappointments based on what's unfolding on the political front at the time those uh, earnings are reported. Uh, it just is my impression that this market seems to be gripped with political not, uh, considerations at the moment that extend not just in the U.S., but also outside our borders um, uh, with uh, what's going on or, or the impending election that awaits uh, in France. 
and obviously with the geopolitics we've talked about earlier and what could be unfolding there uh, in on the Korean Peninsula. So it's going to be an interesting reporting period, but uh, you have to kind of match things, I think, uh, I think with the headlines uh, related to political developments uh, to ultimately figure out how this market's going to trade in the, in the very near term. So I'm going to leave the, you a softball question. Uh, what are you working on right now, Mr. O'Hare? You work at briefing.com. I start my day every day with your briefing, uh, page one column. And what are you working on that we can take a look at down the road, um, your big picture column, so to speak? Yeah, well, you know, sometimes those big picture columns, they, they tend to unfold later than I would like for them to in the week. So okay, I'm, in, fair. In the, I'm at the point of some idea generation there. But something I am working on uh, for another content piece on briefing.com is, uh, that we call our economic insight page is, is the, um, uh, the widening spread we're seeing between the French oat and the German boon and what that might be implying uh, and you know, my argument there will essentially be that it's it's more of a of a political consideration that is tied to some economic ideas, but uh, it may not be the best reflection of an economic indicator right now because I think what you've got going on with the uncertainty surrounding the French election is that you have a flight to safety to the boon uh, on the recognition that perhaps the uh, election outcome in France could threaten the very existence of the European Union if, if Marine Le Pen uh, happens to win that election. And so you've got some understandable hedging taking place right now, uh, and therefore the widening spread to me is more of a, of a political issue more so than an economic issue. It's interesting because a couple of years ago we had the Middle East and their summer of unrest, and now we're kind of heading into a European summer where we're thinking about politics and uh, where do we go coming out of it. So thank you very much. Okay, thank you, Rob. Absolutely. Um, that is the one, the only Patrick O'Hare. You can start your day every day by going to briefing.com. There's multiple levels of service that you can buy. Um, it is a paid service. I think you get what you pay for. If you're using Yahoo as your primary service, I think you're making a huge mistake. I think there's more out there in the world of research. Uh, with that being said, you should also you know, take advantage of what you get from Fidelity or Vanguard or T. Rowe Price. Whoever you house your accounts with, they give you access to online research. And you should just take a look into that. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Don't be shy. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. If you want to find out more about Briefing.com and Patrick O'Hare, check it out. Briefing.com. Can't find it any easier than that. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. So publicly traded stocks, I love the idea because it's easy to talk to you about. There's a show called The Walking Dead that I think everyone's kind of aware of. It's based on a graphic novel by Robert Kirkman. And 
clearly The Walking Dead is not the zombies. The Walking Dead is us. And it's trying to say, wake up, people. They've got a big problem at AMC right now, because this is their franchise. Before they had Mad Men and Breaking Bad, and I love Breaking Bad, and Mad Men, I think, peaked a little bit, and then I kind of like the last couple of seasons I didn't really care for. Same thing with The Walking Dead. In season one, they went from 5.9 million viewers to 8.9 in season two to 12.4 million in season three to 15.6 in season four to 15.7 in season five. And then since then, it's been going down. And that's a big problem because AMC is publicly traded. So one analyst today came out and said, what's next? We want to know what's next for AMC. Otherwise, we can't say people are going to money is going to continue to flow in and rates are going to continue to go up. We see the season seven finale of The Walking Dead as the lowest ratings the series has had since season three. So one, two, three, four, five peak, six and seven back down to season three. I think that's worthy of noting. Like you can now analyze a company. You can now like you're starting to get it right. Now, one thing that I don't get is what does retirement look like? And I'm honestly closer to it today than I was I've ever been. I've contemplated leaving radio and television. I had a big fight with some people in radio this week, um, some of the people that I work with, that they wanted me to sell something I didn't want to sell. They wanted me to manufacture something I didn't want to manufacture. They wanted me to produce something I didn't want to produce. So I decided to produce something that I manufactured and without selling it, and you get the idea. Um, what does retirement look like? Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton and talk a little bit about that transition to retirement. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. He's with NewFocusFinancial.com, or you can find him at NewFocusFinancial.com. He's with New Focus Financial. Talking about transitioning to a retirement portfolio, I say that you accumulate wealth from age 20 to 50, and you start managing wealth from age 50 to 100. And again, that's not set in stone, but that's the general concept. Mr. Burton, transitioning to a retirement portfolio. What's your thoughts? Well, when I walk people through this, I've got to get to give them some general market history, which sometimes is boring, but it, it surprises me how many people Bore me. don't really realize this stuff. So the market, as you talk about all the time, is positive 70% of the time. Right. Three out of 10 years, negative seven out of 10 years, positive. So pretty good odds. Best odds on the planet. Right. And when you're building wealth... You know, up until your mid to late 50s, it, it, t- timing the market doesn't really matter a lot. Right. The thing that you need to focus on is the asset classes that have done really well over 10 years but are doing really poorly in the last one to three. Those are the ones you should actually be buying. Um, so it's not – it's really you can control your, your asset allocation with where you're sending your, your new purchases. Give me an example of that. Well – so every three years, typically asset classes change. Um, they go through a cycle. So whether it's looking at sectors of the economy like telecom, like technology, healthcare, if you look at uh, there's a chart that I talk about a lot called Callan Periodic Table of Investments, right. and you can see that whether it's an asset class chart or a sector chart, that asset class or sector will be the best place to be for two to three years in a row, and within two to three years, it'll be one of the worst places to be. And so. Um, the real active wealth builder, the way they rebalance their portfolios will be changing where they're contributing their money and buying the stuff that looks like it's on sale. Where everybody else is running away from it, that's what they're buying that year. Okay, I'm with you. In retirement, timing is everything. Because if you go in, you build this balanced portfolio over these years and years of, of work, and then you just dollar cost average in reverse. In other words, you sell every month 
instead of buy every month. Well, if you sell during the downturns, you're selling. That is gone. That's lost potential forever. So if you would have had to sell your portfolio between 2008 and 2009, when the market was down 40 plus percent, and then you had to sell 5 or 10% to live, you're never going to recover. That's gone. It's out of your portfolio forever. So that's why, and when you look back at the stock market history, there's only been two periods in a row where the market's been negative three years in a row. Runs right after the Great Depression, right. like late 30s, and then um, 2000, 2001, and 2002. The only three years in a row that we've had. We've had several two-year periods in a row, like 73 and 74, the market was down 40%. Right. Next two years, the market was up 60%. Okay. So the volatility isn't new. It's been with us forever. It's just in your face with you know financial shows out there all the time. So the biggest point as you as you look at and you're 10 years out from retirement, one of your biggest things is, okay, I have a balanced portfolio. How do I get to the point where I have three years' worth of expenses, portfolio draws, and cash? So the first thing you need to do is say, here's my expenses in retirement, and here's my automatic income from, like, Social Security and pensions. So, again, a, a simple math would be if, you're, if you need hundred grand to pay your taxes, your expenses, health care costs, everything, and you're getting 50 from Social Security and pensions, you know that you need 50000 a year from your portfolio. So five years prior to retirement, you need three years of that, or $150,000 in that person's scenario, in safe money. That takes out one of the biggest risks of timing in retirement so that you, you have three-year cushion that you don't have to draw on the portfolio when you're in a down market. And then by the other strategies of dividend-paying stocks where they have a history of increasing their dividend on an annual basis to help fight inflation, balance portfolio, and then also having a good portion of your retirement income coming from lifetime sources that you can outlive, like Social Security or pension or your own annuitized income. We'll talk about that at seminars coming up. You can learn more about upcoming Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning Seminars at robblack.com. You can find Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. He's a CFP, stands for Certified Financial Planner. It's his designation that makes him a fiduciary. He works in his client's best interest. You're listening to me, Rob Black, on the Wall Street Business Network. You can find Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. And you can find me at robblackshow.com, Rob Black Show. i got a big event coming up in Palo Alto, Retirement Income Strategies and Estate Planning on May 20th. And investing for your first $1 million, both brand new types of seminars with brand new content, May 20th in Palo Alto. One's from 11, uh, 9 to 11, one's from 1 to 3. To get in free, there's a radio code, Radio25. Sign up at Rob Black Show today to get in free. It's, otherwise, it's $25. Radio25, Retirement Income Strategies and Estate Planning Seminar, and investing for your first $1 million. 